Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. Hey friend, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here for another Clinical Entrepreneur episode. My name is Rhonda Nelson and I'm going to hang with you for the next 20 minutes or so. We are going to talk today about how to know whether you have a patient that might be not the best fit for you in your practice. We all get them. Um, It's not necessarily the fault of the patient. Sometimes it's just not a good jive, not a good match, but there are a few signs that you can kind of look for to make sure that it's a good fit, going to be a good fit or not a good fit. And you want to pluck them out and move them on, help them to find someone else sooner than later, because the longer they wait with you, the harder it gets. So Our number one goal, obviously, when a patient comes in to see us for help with their wellness care, we want to make sure that they're going to get the best care possible. And that's what you and I are going to do well, right? We're going to assess the patient, find out what the underlying issue is, and start working on unraveling what's going on. So that's easy. Doesn't We don't need to talk about that because you are on the same page as I am. But when you start getting that little nudge and you're working with somebody and you think, oh, I don't know if this is going to be a good fit or or the other thing could be true. You may just have a case that's a little over your head, you know, like clinically, you may just be over your ski tips a bit and you need to refer out either way. It's important that you have worked out a bit of a process that allows you to make a very seamless, gentle transfer of that patient out to another practitioner, regardless of what the reason is. If you're out over your ski tips, it's something you don't know anything about, or you just don't feel comfortable, or it's not your specialty, then it's okay to refer them out. Or you find somebody that's just not the right personality fit, then we want to refer them to. So let's dive right in. I want to give you 12 quick reasons why your patient may not be a good fit. These are 12 clues. You may want to jot these down uh, so that you know, this is that these are things you're going to want to look for. Number one, when they fill out their paperwork or they call your office to have a conversation with you, if they're automatically talking about that they've worked with so many different people and no one's been able to help and everybody always just kind of screws me over. No one ever knows how to fix me. There's the lot that's the blame game and they're blaming everyone else and no one's been able to fix them. And they are what I, that's what I call a practitioner hopper. That's a big warning sign. I have been burned multiple times and you probably have to, you can probably think of someone that came to you that had the same thing. And you know, even now, like I just had this happen with a coaching client not long ago with a business coaching client and wanted help with um, his practice. And I started kind of working through and right away, it was, you know, lots of blaming, lots of, and I just had to cut the relationship off quickly. I just refunded the money and said, here you go. Be well, bless you, love you, but let's, I'm I'm not your right fit. So when they start doing the blame game and they practitioner hop, it's a no-go. Number two, when they start deflecting blame. In other words, it's always, as I mentioned, someone else's fault. So they practitioner hop, but then they also blame. Number three, they just rub you the wrong way. They just get under your skin. They get on your nerves. 
listen, right or wrong, it's just, it happens. Sometimes people, we just don't jive. Our personalities don't jive. You've got a clash in energy between the two of you. It's okay. If that person just kind of gets under your skin, so much better for both of you to let that person help guide them to another practitioner who's going to be able to care for them better because it's so much of an energy drain for you to have to be on your best game and on your smiling self when you're with them. It's such a conflict. There's an internal conflict going on and it's not worth it. They're going to feel it energetically. You're feeling it energetically and the results are not going to be there. So if they just rub you the wrong way. Just, just lovingly send them to someone else. Number four, if someone is ever, this is a, this is a deal breaker for me. All, well, they all are, but this is a big one. If you have a patient that is disrespectful to your staff, they're gone. They are gone for me. You do not disrespect. Don't bite the hand that feeds you now. If you are disrespectful or unkind or speaking unkindly to my staff who are just trying to help you, then we are not the right fit. And sometimes they'll back down and say, oh, I'm really sorry. It was a bad day. You know, I'm really sorry. I know I shouldn't have done that. I might give them, if there's no other warning signs, I might give somebody one more chance, but I tell them if it happens again, then we're done. And in that case, it usually is they'll behave themselves. But if they're disrespectful, they're out the door. Number five, if the patient wants to tell me how to do my job, they walk in and they tell you, well, this is what I will do and this is what I won't do and I want it this way and I only want to take one of those and not two per day and I only want to eat, I want to eat this kind of bread, but I will give up that kind. When they start to negotiate with you, oh, hard no, 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 nope, nope, all the way that's going to be a bad fit. So those are just bye-bye, see you later. Number six, if they don't offer honor your office policies. Like you've probably got some office policies that say, you know, if you're going to cancel an appointment, do so within whatever, 24, 48 hours. Um, here's what you do. Here's our policy for appointment cancellations. You know, here's how you correspond with us. If you have questions, that kind of thing. If they're not honoring your office policies or if they're texting you and you've asked them not to, or they're sending like really long emails. That's another one. We'll get to that in a minute. I'll pass on that. So anyway, not honoring your office policies. That's a big one. Number seven, if they're group honors, that's what I like to call them. If they're Groupon hungry and they're always looking for a discount, well, don't you have a discount? Well, where's your special price? Where's your sale price? Don't you have a discount? Aren't you doing a special? Don't you do x-rays for free? Well, don't you do a first appointment for free? Well, can I just have a free consult with you for one hour before I see you? Because I need to make sure you're a good fit. If you start having that starts to happen, you just get them, move them on. Just move them on. You are not in business to be Groupon. You are in business to serve people, and you deserve to get paid for what you do, period. So no group honors. Number eight, they have really high expectations. In other words, they want instant response. Well, why hasn't, you know, she gotten back to me? Well, I sent an email two hours ago. Where Where's this response? I don't understand. Or they're sending email after email after email after email. We have people like that now. And practitioners sometimes will do that. They'll email and then two hours later, they'll email again. And two hours later, they'll email again. Well, I'm, I might be with patients or I might be on a meeting or I, I like, I don't just sit around, stare at the computer and wait for y'all's email to come through. 
So they have to be respectful that way. Or sometimes we've had patients in the past that just want to email to get their questions answered and they don't want to schedule an appointment. And I refuse to be a doctor over email. I just won't do it. I will not provide information about their healthcare other than to answer a really simple question. I won't do it over a long email. I don't think it's fair to them and it's not fair to me. And the other thing is if they call and they want me to call back, mm -mm. that's why I have a, that's why I have a customer support person. She handles all of that. And so they don't, people don't get to me. Don't get to me, get to Elaine. They don't get to me. Number nine, they only want to communicate via email. I kind of mentioned that you no, you, I have to see you. I need to talk to you. I need to like, see what's happening. We're not going to do this doctor via email thing. No. Number 10, they don't follow your recommendations and they make excuses. Well, I have, you know, we've all heard it, right? I had company in town. Well, you know, it was Christmas or it was my daughter's birthday. And so I just had to eat 14 cupcakes and, you know, I'm just not feeling real good now. And my hot flashes are back. If they're not following your advice and you they're showing up for their appointments, but they're not doing what you ask them to do, it's not fair to keep them. It's not fair to them. So let them go. Uh, this is probably one of the easiest conversations to have because you just put your CEO hat on, put your big girl panties, big boy pants on, like just kind of man up here and say, okay, listen, I really want you to get better. I'm committed to you getting better, but I can't care about this more than you do. And so I think at this point, it's probably better that we just take a break and pause what we're doing together. And when you're ready to really put your mind and your heart and your soul into getting better, then I'm here for you. But until then, I don't feel right about you coming back and back and back and paying for visits when I'm not really able to help you because I want to be of excellent service to you. And I feel like I'm not serving you well. And that doesn't make me feel right in this relationship. People understand that. And they're probably very thankful that you've let them off the hook. So if they're not following your recommendations, that's number 10. Two more. Number 11, if there's too many cooks in the kitchen, that means that if they're working with another practitioner and then they're coming to you for your opinion, I hate this when it happens. It just makes me crazy. So they'll be going to somebody else to muscle test because I don't, I just choose not to muscle test, but they're going over here for somebody to muscle test them. And then they're going over to somebody else to ask about, you know, a thyroid situation. And then they're coming to me to ask about digestive issues and then nothing's happening. They're not getting better. I said, this, no, too many cooks in the kitchen. I will, I will not be a number two cook. And it isn't because of my ego. It's because you're not going to get good results. So I just back out so fast when that happens. I'm out. I'm out. You let me know if you don't get far with them or you're you're stuck and you're ready to do something different, then you come on over and I'll help you. But you can't, it's not going to work if you have too many cooks in the kitchen, too many practitioners that are making recommendations and they all are making different recommendations from a different viewpoint. It's never going to work. And then lastly, <laughs> this one, you're going to laugh, but you know, if they are an official graduate of Dr. Google University, in other words, they get all their information from Dr. Google. I No, I say, listen, if that's where you feel most comfortable getting your medical wellness advice, then I would recommend that you continue working with Dr. Google to guide your healthcare. 
because that feels like where you're most comfortable. You're not comfortable with my recommendations. So I would say just stick with Dr. Google. And then if you get stuck, then you can come here and then we can have a conversation about where that boundary is. That's a, that's a hard deal breaker for me. So, all right, those are my 12. Now here's what you do. Here's how you handle it. So I'm going to give you a few things to consider. There's actually 11 of them, I think here. So I know lots today. You may have to come back and listen to this podcast again. Number one, make sure that you have good boundaries in the beginning. You will prevent so much of this if you just have them sign a good office policy document that tells them exactly what you expect. Because when you're clear on your expectations, they know exactly how to stay in the lane and how to work with you. It's equitable and fair for both of you to have fair, clean expectations right up front. Because then when those expectations aren't met, it's very easy to say, listen, Mary, this isn't working and here's what you agreed to. Here's what I agreed to. And so we seem to have a mismatch here. Our goal is to help the patient succeed, not for there to be conflict. So set good boundaries right from the beginning. Boundaries about texting, boundaries about emails, boundaries about missed appointments, phone calls, response times, all the things. Number two, have a conversation with them early. Don't let bad behavior go on and on and on and on. Don't avoid the conflict. Listen, none of us like conflict. I'm with you. I don't like conflict either, but I've gotten better and better at it. And I would much rather sit down and ask them, listen, how do you feel like it's going? Like, how do you feel like it's going? I have a few questions and a few concerns, but I want to hear from you. How do you think that, excuse me, how do you think this is going between us? And <clears throat> excuse me, let them talk. And they may say, well, I don't think it's going really well. And you're like, yeah, I don't think so either. And then you can find a good workable solution for the two of you to try and kind of end that relationship. Number three, when you sit down and you have that conversation with them, you just want to start it out like how I just said. I just have a few things I want to review with you and or I want to get your feedback. That's another one. Just ask them for their feedback. Another thing is if you can just let them know that you're more interested in their success, that it's not about you. We sometimes want to make it about us. Everybody wants to make it about themselves. But if you let them know that they are the one that is your priority and you're just not feeling like things are going well, often that is enough for someone to take their guard down. And then they'll start to be really honest with you and say, listen, you know, I haven't told you, but my husband and I are in the middle of a divorce and I have a child who's having difficulty or, you know, I have a very sick parent. And sometimes you find out things that you didn't know and they feel so relieved because they feel like someone heard them, gave them a space and a chance to say what was bothering them. Now, another strategy for letting a patient go is to do it quickly. I kind of mentioned that, but fire fast. If the issues continue to happen, it just makes it harder if you wait. So that's when you just have that conversation that says, listen, you know, I just am not sure that I'm going to be able to provide the care that you need. Take all the responsibility on yourself. I'm not able to provide the care that you need. And I really want you to get the care that you need. I want you to get better, but I don't think I'm the right one to do it. But I've, I've checked with someone that I know, a colleague of mine, and I believe he or she will be able to help you 
and be better suited to help you resolve this health condition. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to make that referral. I think they're going to be a way better fit because I really want to get you better. I want to help you get better. See, that feels so, it's authentic. It's genuine. I really do care about the wellness of the patient, but I know they're not a right fit for me. So I'm just going to pass them off. Now, once you make this pass off happen, then write them a note. Just take a minute and handwrite a note. Let them know how much you enjoyed working with them. Even if you didn't necessarily enjoy it, you could say, you know, thank you so much for trusting me and and like giving it a shot. And we clearly realized that maybe this isn't the right time in your life or maybe we need to send you to some, whatever the reason was that you happened to refer them. But just send them a handwritten note. Like who does that? You do that. That's what sets you apart and makes you different as a wellness practitioner. So you could write a little handwritten note. I'm confident that you're going to be in good hands with so-and-so. And then review your patient screening procedure. I want to end with this one. This is so important. When you, If you have a front desk person or if it's you, I highly recommend that you, could, you go back and listen to this podcast again but write down a list of questions that you want to ask them that will give you information about, let's say, if they are practitioner hoppers or they're Grouponers or they're Dr. Dr. Google certified, but have some patient screening questions all written down so that when you do have that new patient inquiry come through, you know exactly what to ask because you want to flush that stuff out early. And if you even smell anything that smells sour, something doesn't feel right, the conversation isn't going well, I've been on the phone with people who just right from the get-go wanted to argue with me. Not long ago, and I shared about this in um, my Clinical Mastery Facebook group, um, I did a, a video and I just had this patient that for the first 30 minutes, a brand new patient, and he was uh uh she, it was a she, was referred to me by an old high school friend. And it was a cousin or something or other. But for the first 30 minutes of the call, she just basically kind of told me how bad I was because I was associated with the medical profession and and how I I had no, I was very disingenuous and I was liar and um, I was trying to get money out of people and didn't really know what I was doing, like for 30 minutes. And it's a new patient. What am I going to say? I just smile. Listen, everybody needs to be heard. So I just let her have her space to get it all off her chest. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll win her over. And I thought I did a pretty good job. I'm a good communicator and I can relate with people well. I don't really have enemies. And at the end, I thought, okay, I did it. Things were going really well. Then at the very end, when I made my recommendations, she just turned right back around and said, see, there you go. That's all you want to do is a blah, 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 blah. And I never heard from her again, which is fine because I didn't want to. It wasn't a good fit, but that one got by me. That one got by me. So have a list of screening questions that you or your front desk person can kind of go through to see if you can weed them out. And then what kind of internal safeguards can you put in place that, that help to filter that up? Maybe you ask those, some of those questions inside your new patient intake forms before they ever come and see you. Maybe you ask them where, where is your source for you know, your information, medical information or alternative wellness information. Where's your, what's your number one source for, for learning things or finding things? 
you know, how many practitioners have you been to? What have you, what do you think is a problem? What does your doctor say is a problem? You know, have you discussed with your doctor that you're looking at some alternative options? Those kinds of questions can help you flush out if there's crazy in the can that's coming up that you can't see. So I hope this was helpful for you. We've all had patients that have been not a good fit. So again, sorry about all the information, but lots of good information here. You may want to bookmark this one, download it to your phone, save this podcast for sure, and go back, listen to it again and take some good notes and then implement some of these things into your new patient screening process. And then beware because sometimes these guys, these patients, will they're slippery and they may slip right through and you don't realize it. And then you may have to let them go. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. If you like more clinical tips, you can always follow me on social media at Dr. Rhonda Nelson, D-R Rhonda Nelson, R-O-N-D-A Nelson. Or you can go to my website, rondanelson.com forward slash join get on my email list and I will keep you up to date with all the latest business tips, tricks, and strategies to help you grow a very successful, profitable wellness practice that serves you, serves your family, and allows you to get rewarded for the hard work you do and the transformation that you make in people's lives every single day. All right, my friend, take care. I'll be back next week on the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast. Bye for now. Oh,